Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network, Spring Break Edition. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to me on Twitter, at Braden Gall. And I'm Stephen Lassen. You can follow me on Twitter, at Athlon Stephen, and you can check out all my work at AthlonSports.com. Stephen filling in for Aaron so kindly this week. I We were recording this on uh, last Friday, so whenever you're listening to this, we recorded this a few days ago because I'm out on spring break, forced vacation now that I have a kindergartner. Uh, so I figured we'd record something for you guys uh, and dive into this. As Stephen, of course, Athlon Sports, AthlonSports.com. Uh, you heard his Twitter account there. Um, no guests today on the show, but we are going to rank all 14 projected. We're going to project and then rank all 14 quarterbacks in the SEC at at this time. This is just a glimpse in time at where these guys are, would rank in our minds today. Spring break, March 2023. That can change week one. That could change in camp. That could change in the summertime. That could change if somebody gets hurt or leaves and goes to another place or loses the starting job. All of this stuff is subject to change. It is just how we feel right now today. So don't send us tweets about this a month, six months from now, when one of these guys loses their job and they're not very good. Like that's fine. We can change our opinions in the future. This is our opinion today based on all the information we have today, Steven. To be fair, I think the middle of the SEC in terms of quarterback talent and rankings, I could wake up one day and feel different about the order. And then the next day I'll feel completely different about the order. I think it's an interesting group of quarterbacks though. I mean, we went into last season thinking that Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker would be the league's best quarterbacks. That was kind of obvious. Um, Anthony Richardson, Stetson Bennett, we knew who the top ones were, but this year um, it's interesting top to bottom. I think it's a solid group of quarterbacks but also think that you could rank these a lot of different ways, which we were debating uh, before we get started. So it should be interesting to see how this evolves over the next couple months. Yeah, you cannot. We've talked about this. There's basically only two starting quarterbacks that return with a coordinator. Um, that's essentially AJ Swan at Vanderbilt. Um, and who am I? Who am I? Uh, who am I? Oh, Jaden Daniels at, at LSU. Those are the only two that return a starting quarterback and a coordinator. So the instability is, is, is rampant. You also are removing three first round draft picks, the two time defending national champion and Hendon hooker from the quarterback rank. So arguably the five best quarterbacks are now gone. Um, but we've got some guys coming back. I do think there's a couple of tiers here. I think there's three tiers of quarterbacks. So we're going to rank these. And again, this was recorded a couple of days ago. Uh, we are out hiking through the mountains right now with my uh, six and five year old. So, um, spring break edition here on the podcast rate review subscribe uh, please share the show check out on the youtube page all that great stuff uh, and follow all steven's work you can get more in depth on the quarterback rankings his own personal rankings um, on the website athlonsports.com you and i sort of melded our lists together for the for the sake of this show because there's some guys that you like more than i like and we just wanted to put together a, a fringe element list of quarterbacks um, you want to go top to bottom or do you want to go bottom to you want to start at the bottom Let's start at 14. Start at 14. Uh, let's start 14 and work our way up. So I know you, there, there's been some debate down here. I have Brady Cook at 14, assuming he earns the job. Of course, injured in spring practice. He does have a year of starting. Uh, it just, I think this is among the better. This is going to be a weird phrase. I think this is one of the better 14th ranked quarterbacks. <laughs> if that's the case, I don't think there's a lot of star power in this league right now. We don't know who that's going to be. There could be some names that turn into superstars, obviously. But I also don't think there's a ton of terrible starting quarterbacks. Um, and we're going to talk about this bottom tier here, but I don't think they're te- I think they're pretty solid. I actually think, again, not strong at the top, but pretty strong at the bottom in the SEC. So I got Brady. Co- We've got Brady Cook as the 14th rated quarterback. 
Sorry, Mizzou fans. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think, first of all, I, the biggest question for Brady Cook will be how healthy is he into the fall? Anytime you have a quarterback coming off of a shoulder injury sort of gives me pause as we go into the upcoming season. But I think the good things you saw to Brady Cook last year, you know, over 500 rushing yards, the yards per attempt were around seven. I would like to see more big plays out of this offense. Curious to see how far Jake Garcia, the Miami transfer, and Sam Horn, uh, the redshirt freshman, progressed this year because if Brady Cook isn't 100%, one of those guys will have to play. But if Missouri has to go with, with Brady Cook the full season, I think what you saw last year combined with a little bit of improvement, um, more big plays under new offensive coordinator Kirby Moore, um, more than an effective uh, quarterback. So to your point, he's 14, but I think you, you feel good if you're Missouri yeah. if he's your guy. And if Sam Horn wins the job, he'd probably be in this range too, but maybe a, a a notch or two higher. I do think having an offensive coordinator is the right thing for Eli Drinkowitz to do. Um, and you Mizzou fans, go listen to our Mizzou State of the Union with Dave Matter a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of positive stuff to like about this Mizzou team. So um, I, I just somebody has to kind of be last, and it just kind of feel I feel bad to put somebody down there. But I I've got Brady. We've got Brady Cook at 14. Uh, Robbie Ashford at 13. Assuming again, all of this is assuming they win the job. I think he's certainly well suited for Hugh Freeze's offense, Lasso. I just, I, I don't, I think Auburn's going to be better as well. Um, I, I just don't know how much better and how, what, what's his ceiling? Like, I'm that, that's my question. Cause again, I think you could move him up two or three spots and make the case that he's the 11th best quarterback. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, first of all, I think Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery will get more out of this quarterback room than the last staff did last offseason. You know, Robbie Ashford went into last year as basically the third quarterback and then eventually worked his way up with injuries. Um, you know, over 700 rushing yards last season, but if you look at the passing game, five of the last six starts, he completed 11 or fewer passes. And just the passing game, under 50%, an SEC game. So he's got a ways to go as a passer. I think we know what to expect of him as a runner. You saw at times he did make some nice throws. There was the touchdown, I think, against Alabama. Um, that was really, you know, an interesting play on his part. So I think there's a lot to like, and there's some potential with Freeze and Montgomery yeah. working with him. So we got him 13, uh, but I think the tools fit that offense really well. He's also the most disrespected quarterback on this list by his own coaching staff, considering Hugh Freeze tried to sign every single player in the portal. Uh, that, during... That's a great point, because yeah. the, the second portal opening later this year, we'll see yeah. how Auburn feels about its quarterback room when that opens up again. Yep. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. That one's an interesting one. Um, number 12, A.J. Swan at Vanderbilt. Interesting that he's the guy we have ranked here just in general, because the battle last year at the start of the season in camp was Mike Wright versus Ken Seals. Ken Seals, of course, got some starts as a freshman the year before that during the COVID year. And I, I watched all three of them in spring practice last year. And Mike Wright was like the best leader and the most mature and the most ready to play. Ken Seals has had like the best like arm maybe, but AJ Swan as a, even as a true freshman in, in spring practice looked like the best overall prospect most upside. And uh, so I guess it's not a surprise that he eventually takes the job. Mike Wright transfers. He, he wins the gig. And, you know, I think there's a lot of Vanderbilt fans are excited about what this offense could look like with him and, and maybe finally finding a quarterback for the first time in what feels like forever. Yeah, I think there should be a lot of optimism about the way A.J. Swan played last year. I mean, he had the 
the fortune of getting both Alabama and Georgia in his starts. Now he had a great uh, game against Northern Illinois. Um, so his, you know, then he got hurt too. So his stats are a little skewed. I think it's just the difficult schedule that he played as a true freshman, but that's also part of it. A true freshman being thrown into the mix in the SEC at Vanderbilt thought he acquitted himself pretty well. Vanderbilt's got some nice playmakers coming back at receiver. We'll see how they continue to develop the offensive line and running game. But I think if you're Vanderbilt, you've got your quarterback here. You can build around him yeah. this spring and offseason. So I think optimism uh, should be running high. 5.4 yards per attempt in SEC games. That was near the bottom. We'd like to see that get a little bit better. That's probably just being a true freshman in a really difficult spot. You're playing on the worst team as a true freshman against Georgia and Bama. I mean, give the guy a break. That's, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, but some continuity, again, as we mentioned, one of only two players that has been will be in the system for the second year. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, one of the only only two two quarterbacks starting I should say and and be in the system for two years. Uh, number eleven, and this is the last guy on this bottom tier, and that's Graham Mertz. This was a four star big time recruit, savior of the program for Wisconsin. Had one really great game to start his career, basically during the the, the COVID year, and has just largely he's shown like really slight, tiny incremental improvements year over year. Uh, he has. He has improved his sort of efficiency numbers over the, over the course of his career. I don't think it's crazy to think he's going to have his best season at Florida. Just getting out of Wisconsin and what Wisconsin does to offensive players is just not healthy. Um, but there are a lot of questions around him at Florida. So you, I'm I'm bullish on I'm I'm probably more bullish on Graham Mertz than most people, but I have questions about the offensive situation writ large. I think if you're Florida you would probably prefer going into this season with Graham Mertz as your number two quarterback and had you landed some other high-profile transfer at this point. But I also think there's something to work with here. You know, you mentioned he was, you know, the highest like high school ranked quarterback to sign with Wisconsin in terms of ranking and pedigree coming out of high school. Of course, Russell Wilson is obviously the one of the more <laughs> highly touted quarterbacks to go to Wisconsin. Tra but they're transfer, I think transfer though, yeah. Yes, transfer. The, he showed things in games that I think that he can translate to Billy Napier's offense. And I think there are things that Napier can do to better maximize his talent. You look at his numbers in 2022, they were some of the better ones that he's had. He's had a lot of, I think, inconsistency with receivers, offensive scheme, maybe a little stale. So I think getting away from Wisconsin will help him. I think he can get better. I think the question is, what is that ceiling? Is it how much better is that than what we saw to Jack Miller last uh, last season? I think it'll be a lot better. No, definitely not to the Anthony Richardson level. So I, I will buy some stock in, in Graham Mertz playing better than he did at Wisconsin. I think the question, like I said, is just what's the ceiling here? Yeah. Um, so the next six guys are really hard. And I would argue that all six of these guys are basically even. You got to do some projections on almost all of these guys, with the exception of the, the two guys named Spencer. Um, there's projections on everybody else here. Um, and I, and here's, what's interesting about this, Steven of, of all these ne next, next six names, and you'll learn all these names in just a second. But if you're one of these uh, fans of one of these teams, are you trading your guy? Probably not. I mean, or are you, are I, you, you're riding with the guy you've got, right? I, I think so. I, I think a lot of these names in this mix would fit into the breakout category for this season, yeah. um, you know, Milton and, and Simpson and Beck to tease some of our upcoming rankings. I think there's a lot of potential for this group. I think if if you have a quarterback ranked in this in this tier, I think you should feel good about where you are. Yeah. And if you're someone like Carson Beck, 
if he doesn't work out, well, you've got two guys behind him in right. Vandegrift and Stockton who are, who are ranked pretty highly coming out of high school. Well, and like, and maybe even to make it even more complicated, uh, like I don't of, of these six teams. First of all, I want to make sure we're saying this again very clearly for everyone listening. We think they are almost all even, so there's not yes. really a difference between five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Okay, I just want to be clear, but you got to rank them somehow. Uh, and like four of them are total projections and sort of guesswork on what they're going to look like the system. But again, I, I don't think any team on this out of these six would trade their quarterback room for another one of the rooms. Like I think the Tennessee room, Tennessee fans are very happy with their room. I think the, the Georgia room, they're happy with their room. Ole Miss fans, they don't know what's going to happen, but they're happy with the room. I, I think South Carolina fans are happy with Spencer Rattler. I think AM fans are excited about Connor Wigman. I, I think, Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow are solid. They're excellent. I think Alabama fans are fine with that. Like, I, I don't think one of these g- teams would trade their room for somebody else's room. Uh, now, 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 four weeks in, Ty Simpson could be like a, a Heisman Trophy caliber player. So who knows? Th- th- there are questions here, but they don't feel like weaknesses. They just feel like what's the like level of good play we're going to get yep. out of these and like who's going to win some of these battles. I mean, I think we know the front runners, but... The questions don't feel like it's a major weakness. It's just a matter of sort of patching in some of these gaps. All right, let's piss off Tennessee fans. Uh, Joe Milton at number 10. And it's look, he was really good against Vanderbilt and in a bowl game. He's experienced, but not on the field. He's lost every starting job he's tried to win, but he's probably going to have his best season. He's in a very quarterback friendly system. They do have to replace some receivers. They're going to score points. He's got to look over his shoulder at Nico. I, I just... I, I think there's a lot to like about him in this season. I just don't think it's as good as Hendon Hooker. And there's other guys on this list that I think have more individual upside and maybe a couple of, you know, Spencer Sanders, for example, at, at Ole Miss has played 43 games and started 43 games and has been nothing but productive. Also turned the ball over, uh, but but has been very productive. So I, it's so hard to rank Joe Milton because I think he is going to have his best season and he's an older player, but there's also a reason he's never been a starting quarterback. I think if Joe Milton didn't have the Orange Bowl performance, it would be a lot easier to slot him in at number 10. But I yeah. think some of our recency bias could be kicking in here a little bit. And, and I'm not saying he could have a great year. I, I have personally, I like him a little bit higher on this list. But I also think when you look at his numbers from Michigan and Tennessee, you know, fairly identical in terms of how many pass attempts, how many completions so far, um, you know, the yards per attempt and, and turnovers have gotten better throughout the course of his career. So it is possible that quarterbacks get better from game one at Michigan to senior year at Tennessee. You mentioned the offensive scheme. So I do think that if Milton can stay at the level we saw in the orange bowl, there's a chance that he's all first team, second team, all conference by the end of the year. But to your point, the data point is larger in the size that he's closer to the quarterback that got benched at Tennessee and the one at Michigan. Which yeah. one do you believe? That's what we're going to find. Well, out I think I think I think the answer is in the middle. Honestly, like yes. I, I think the answer is in the middle. I think he's he's had two years to learn the system, two years to learn from Hendon Hooker. Um, I think Orange Bowl Joe OBJ, the new OBJ, is not the guy you should expect, but I think you can expect a player better than he's ever been before. So I think it's I think there should be expectations for him, but I think expectations should not be Hendon Hooker level. It should, it should not it should not be among the best quarterbacks in the, in the SEC. I don't think that's fair to ask of him. I don't think it should be fair to say replicate what you did in the Orange Bowl every single game. I just don't think he can do that. Um, but we'll see. Again, I'm happy to be wrong about that. 
he, uh, number... if, he, if he develops the changeup to go with the fastball yes, yes. and the off-speed stuff, he's going to yes. be in really good shape. No, number nine, Spencer Sanders. And this is largely a function of we, we're projecting him as the starter for right now. I actually think Walker Howard could be the starter because he's the most accurate thrower of the three. Jackson Dart is the returning starter. It's a fascinating quarterback battle all off-season long. But if you're giving Spencer Sanders the nod, you have to acknowledge like 43 games of starting football. Lots of wins for Oklahoma State. Yes, he's turned the ball over and been injured, but he's been very productive. He has limits. And the reason I would put him ahead of Milton, for example, is because he's just done it. He's just been the starter and won games. And um, I, I I think Milton could end up very much ahead of him. But I think for now, you kind of have to give the nod to Sanders, I think. Yeah, I, I think the the interesting thing about Spencer Sanders, when you watch him throughout his career, you know, there are moments where he looks like first team all conference and he was in the big 12 going into 2022, but it is the consistency. Like one week it's four touchdowns. The next week it could be three interceptions. Like if he can put that all together and maybe he does in this offense, do you think there were some schematic injuries, offensive line concerns at Oklahoma state that may have hurt him later in his career because his yards per attempt declined, but there are some things to work with. He's proven got the rushing ability. I think he's a good fit for this offense. I think if you compare him to Jackson Dart, he's just much more proven, probably more polished at this point as a passer. So he really is an interesting case study because I think his consistency, he can end up much higher on this list. Of course, Walker Howard, I think probably has the most upside of any of those quarterbacks in Oxford. The key is what does Lane Kiffin want the most? What trait does he value the most? Is it the athleticism and the versatility or is it the accuracy? And if it's the accuracy and the, and the, and sort of knowing where to go with the ball, working angles and getting people off, you know, getting linebackers off their, their lines and and everything, it might be Walker Howard. Um, Number eight, Carson Beck also could be number one on this list (laughs) at the end of the year. Uh, But Carson Beck, number one, will step into the best possible situation of all these guys. I mean, even without Todd Munkin as his coordinator, the the receiving core, the running back, the offensive line, the situation, the defense, he will not be under a lot of high pressure snaps. That's he's just not going to play a lot of high stress snaps. And therefore, he's going to probably produce some big numbers. And if it's not Car- if it's not Carson Beck, the other two guys, Vandegrift and Stockton, could probably both slot in right here, and they may even have more up. So I have, I feel like putting him at eight is sort of just like a okay, he- he's a good quality Georgia quarterback that's probably going to win all the games. <laughs> My first question is how the Georgia offense you know, changes, it, or if it does, from Todd Monken and and Mike Bobo taking over the play calling duties. Uh, also, does it play any role in the quarterback battle? I think, you know, had Todd Monken stayed, I think Carson Beck would probably be pretty entrenched as the starter. Um, but the change in OC, we'll see if it makes any impact, if at all. I love the fact that if you're a first-time quarterback, you're throwing to Brock Bowers. Uh, you're also throwing to Ra-Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett, two really talented receivers that Georgia brought in. So, you know, Carson Beck's numbers last year in limited time are really solid. Obviously, it was backups, limited time over a full season. We'll see. Um, but I think there's a lot of potential here for Carson Beck to finish much higher on this list if he finishes the year as a starter. I do think Connor Wigman, Carson Beck, and Ty Simpson are just all kind of the same uh, in so, to some degree. So our next one, Connor Wigman, who actually I, I might like from a talent perspective better than Carson Beck. Um, and I think that's with Petrino. Uh, so, so having more starting experience last season, I think it gives him a nod. I just think I saw like having the pedigree that Carson, that um, Connor Wigman has to sort of show that the pedigree was real as a true freshman inside of a dumpster fire situation with, with a garbage offense and sort of a terrible, you know, ecosystem. I thought it showed a lot of 
of, 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 of upside and the things I needed to see from him. Now you bring in probably a better offensive line with, with equally as good of weapons and a better coordinator. I think Connor Wigman's going to have a breakout year. So I'm very high on him. I understand that people want to disagree with that, but uh, we've got him at number seven. Yeah. Pencil me in on the Connor Wigman breakout uh, fan club. If you're the yep. president, I guess I could be the vice president for all those reasons you mentioned. Co- we're, the co- I mean, we're the co-chairs. Co- co-chairs. Okay. Co-chairs. Um, you know, I think you, you go back to last season. I mean, Texas A&M's offensive line was young. It was beat up. I think it'll be better this year. Uh, Evan Stewart back as one of the top receivers in the SEC. I think Bobby Petrino makes a big difference on that offense too. Last year, you know, Wigman had the great start against Ole Miss over 300 yards, um, four touchdowns. Also in that game, 6.6 yards per play by A&M. That was their best against a power five opponent last year. Ole Miss, of course, defensively wasn't great, uh, but still, I think you saw a lot of things in that game that suggest that Connor Wigman can really be the guy uh, going forward for A&M. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to tout Joe Milton's 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions, you have to tout Connor Wigman's seven touchdowns and zero interceptions, and in a significantly worse situation. In a uh, old and... uh, scheme that needed to change yep. you could you could speak freely just an old yeah. old shitty scheme you could say yeah, that. There you go. <laughs> um i i do not agree with this you talked me into putting him here because i think you like him even higher than i do i would not have spencer rattler at number six i might have him behind wigman and beck even but i understand why because he he's shown us some flashes he had a pretty decent season at oklahoma that was a really long time ago he got benched um my issue with last season is that we were kind of waiting all year for Spencer Rattler to show up. And then he did it kind of like twice and, and then somehow beat Clemson also. But if you take the Vanderbilt game and the Tennessee game away out of this 13 game sample size, the dude threw nine touchdowns in 11 games. And you know how hard it is to start 11 games and throw nine touchdowns. I know the talent is there. I know the upsides there. We saw it against Tennessee, pretty bad defense. We saw it against Vanderbilt. Pretty bad defense. I th- that was nine touchdowns and zero interceptions in two games, and people are always like, "Oh, but if you take somebody's best two games off, everybody's stat line changes." I, that's true, but the there's eleven games of sample size here this season and the year before, so I understand the upside. I understand why we got him at six. I think I would have him a couple slots lower, but I understand why he's here. And I don't know if you're going to get a significantly better player in 2023 than you got last year. I just don't know. The question I think is which Spencer Spencer Rattler do you believe in? It's like Joe Milton. Your sample sizes are all over the map with him. Uh, On one hand, you have a redshirt freshman season at Oklahoma. That was really good. I think he ended up being one of the preseason favorites to win the Heisman trophy in 2022 or didn't, didn't exactly uh, work out there in 2021. Sorry for, for Oklahoma. To, to your point on the stats, if before November, if we had just stopped the season before November, five touchdowns, nine interceptions for Rattler. After that, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions. On one hand, I'm inclined to say Marcus Satterfield's offense frankly sucks. And I think that that I was I would hope that they would have hired a better play caller for him. Unfortunately, Dow Loggins, I have major yep. question marks about that too. So I think the talent is there. We will see if he can pick up where he left off. Um, but some of the sample sizes suggest to me that he has potential to be a top sure. five quarterback in the SEC. No, I mean, there, there's no question. We've seen that all these guys have upside. Like there's, there's just, <laughs> there's inconsistencies or, or lack of experience in, in all of them. Uh, Ty Simpson at number five is a bet on Bama. It's a bet on Saban. 
It's a bet on Tommy Reese. It's I think it frankly is a it's a bet on the what was he like the number one quarterback in America? Like I just they, they've done pretty well on these guys. They've hit on those guys. I think they want to stretch the field, which Jalen Milrow doesn't necessarily give them. I think Ty Simpson wins the job and is the clear cut guy to take the reins at Bama. And I just think he's you, you put all of that together and I feel like he is safely atop this list of six guys that, again, want to be very clear, are all about the same. I would if all of these guys I had a choice, I had a draft, I would take Ty Simpson probably over all of them. Yeah, I think the, the key word there is potential and also the Alabama offense. I, I think as time goes on, you know, the Tommy Reese hire, I think, was a little surprising. But I think as time goes on, I think the more and more I start to like it, and I see what they can do. With some of the formations and, and all the things that Tommy Reese did at Notre Dame, yep. pretty good, I think, for a first-time quarterback to have a nice backfield coming back, too. Um, I You look at last season, four or five for 35 yards, not much to take away, but a five-star recruit coming out of high school. I think you're right. He stretches the field probably more than Jalen Milrow. Milrow had the start against A&M, the turnovers. Don't know if it's fair to necessarily judge him just based upon that one game, but I think based upon upside and potential, I'm taking Ty Simpson, uh, I guess, also on the president, co-president, co-leaders of the breakout fan club on Ty Simpson this year. Oh, oh a, a, you mean a five-star quarterback who sat behind a, a Heisman Trophy winner and is about to take over is a yeah. thing that is, is a thing that you should bet on at Bama? I don't know. Is that, that they, goes back, they, they've done like, they've done it like four times now. You know, I don't know if we should read anything into this or maybe maybe it's just me, but I think the fact that they didn't go out and get a transfer yeah. quarterback. Like, had they now, yeah. maybe they were in on some behind the scenes we don't know about, but they either feel pretty good about this room or, you know, if they brought in somebody veteran, I think I'd feel worse about Simpson, but they well, must feel I, good about it. I think they've got the two guys that can do kind of two different things, and they, they I don't, you kind of have the two different dynamics there that are going to battle for the starting job i think that's i think that's what saban wants and i think that's what reese wants i just think simpson gives them what they want more stylistically um all right number four on the list this is the top tier here because it's kind of like the the starting proven commodity here and these are the four guys that are sort of starting proven commodities but because he played at nc state and was hurt last year devin leary's at the bottom he's also probably had the best maybe the best single season of all of these four guys uh, but we have Devin Leary at Kentucky at number four. That is a bet on Liam Coleman as well, returning to Kentucky. Really good weapons around him. The offensive line can't be as bad as it was last year. Uh, so I will go Devin. We'll go Devin Leary, Kentucky, number four. Yeah, I think going into last season, Devin Leary was considered top 10, top 15 nationally among quarterback rankings by most people. Um, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions back in 2021, accuracy around 66%. A lot of things to like, you know, maybe not as strong of an arm as Will Levis, but plenty of, of, of arm strength to push the ball downfield. Also, he has experience, you know, at NC State, they had trouble with the rushing attack, kind of questionable offensive line at times. He will have better receivers at Kentucky than he had at NC State. So I think the weapons around him, plus the coordinator hire of Liam Cohen, I think there's a lot to like about where Kentucky's offense can improve from last season uh, to this year. So I think Devin Leary, track record, Potential in this offense, I think easily one of my top five in the SEC. Number three, Jaden Daniels. Again, kind of like Spencer Rattler, like really great first season at Arizona State. Also kind of a really tumultuous situation. It doesn't, he never really gets better. He comes to LSU and even within last season, there were some like, why don't you just throw the football more, Jaden, <laughs> from like the LSU coaching staff. But even in that first game, Florida State ends up being pretty good. They lose on the final play. Um, 
he ends up sort of developing a little bit more consistency inside the framework of the offense, which is what Brian Kelly wants him to do. He still always has the dynamic ability to go run around and make plays. They win the division. They beat Bama. I, I still wonder if there's another gear for him up. And I also wonder if he just like gets snapped in two in a, in, with like a bad hit. Cause I think he's just so small and he runs so hard, uh, but he's number three on our list. I think the word that comes to mind with Jaden Daniels at Arizona state was just chaos in transition. It was, you know, the really promising freshman season. Then it was offensive coordinator, turnover receivers, offensive line coaching, you name it. A lot of other variables in there. I actually think he was really the perfect quarterback for LSU last year because the offensive line, the youth that they had, it wasn't very good up front. His mobility with over 800 rushing yards gave them a chance. And of course, I think he got better too over the season. I think a little early yeah. on, I think, like you said, the coaching staff wanted to take a little bit more chances pushing the ball. I think he got better, more comfortable as the season went on. So I think once you, they hit October to the end of the year, he was a different quarterback. So I think solidly top three, we'll see if Nussmeyer makes it interesting, but I think Jane Daniels is your guy for, for LSU. Uh, number two on the list, Will Rogers, Mississippi state. I think these top two are pretty clear. Um, I mean, I I'm, I'm, I'm actually at, like checking right now. I probably should have done this before the show, but I'm, I'm assuming that, Will Rogers will own every single career SEC passing record, right? I mean, uh, he has to make some adjustments. They're going to run the football a little bit more under Zach Arnett uh, after the passing of Mike Leach. But, um, I I mean, this guy's going to have every record known to man, right? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, first of all, I think it, we, we've talked about, like, interesting quarterbacks in the SEC. And, like, all these guys are really interesting for different reasons this year. Uh, but Will Rogers, as a, you know, but you know, third full year as a starter and counting 2020 uh, in there as well. But he's pretty interesting given the offensive changes. Like, what do we think, you know, how Mississippi State's offense evolves a little bit from the air raid to running whatever Kevin Barbet implements? I mean, it seems like there are going to be some tweaks, but it's still going to be um, really productive. I think based upon the returning personnel and you have a uh, proven quarterback, the only thing I think you could maybe – critique about will rogers the production is there the big plays just weren't there last season just three of 40 plus yards um he was tied for 11th in the sec in yards per attempt some of that was scheme but i think maybe in this offense they can stretch the field a little bit more take some shots downfield the production um experience and also i think he's the perfect quarterback to navigate this yeah. transition on offense this year so he already has the sec record for attempts and completions already <laughs> he already has it <laughs> Um, with 82 career passing touchdowns, he is eighth all time in SEC history. Aaron Murray at 121. That's going to be a bit of a stretch, 40 touchdowns. But could he get to Werfel at number two? He does have two years of eligibility left too. That, well, that's true. I'm, I'm, assu I'm assuming let's say one more. But if it's two more, then he's going to break every record. Um, but he'll have the yards record. Um, there's no question he'll have the passing yards record this year because again, Aaron Murray number one all time, 13. Thousand yard, thirteen thousand one hundred sixty six yards. He is already over ten thousand six hundred passing yards. Uh, he's number eight all time already. So he only needs like twenty five hundred yards to get to the record. So um, again, if he throws forty touchdowns and has three thousand yards passing, he'll own every single, you know, major passing record, career record in SEC history. Now, what's interesting, I will say this, and I know people. There's probably some people right now that are screaming at their at their podcast app or at their YouTube screen right now. Yeah, but look at the list of guys that are over 10,000 in the SEC. Unless your name is Manning, <laughs> you were largely a kind of a product of the system, right? 
Uh, Aaron Aaron Murray was pretty good, but uh, uh, that he he was he wasn't good enough that he played for that he stuck around and played four years. But he's probably maybe maybe he's the exception. But Drew Locke, David Green, Chris Leak, Eric Zier, Danny Werfel, uh, Jared Lorenzen, and then the two Mannings. Although Eric Zier probably had more talent than these these guys as well. But Chris Leak much, is di- much much different era of the SEC too. Yes, Werfel's numbers are ridiculous. Uh, but Drew Locke, product of the system, uh, uh, you know, Chris Leak, product of, you know, being around four years in the system, you know, Werfel, product of the system, Lorenzen, product of the system, which is the air raid, of course. Um, I, I I don't think that's a knock on Rodgers. I think he's he's going to have every record. I don't know if he's an NFL prospect, but I don't care. Like he's he gives Mississippi State a chance to win this year. So for sure. Yeah, especially in the in the SEC West, where all those teams are just kind of log jammed after Alabama yeah, yeah, and are. LSU. Uh, number one on the list, KJ Jefferson. I don't think there's really an argument. I mean, I think you could debate Rodgers and Jefferson, but I think at their best, I, I don't think there's anybody in this league today, as of m- spring break in March, that is better than KJ Jefferson at his healthiest and best. It's hard to argue with the Cam Newtonish size speed combination. Um, you know, they got good running game. Uh, I, I just think it's hard. I don't know. Like, it's hard to argue KJ Jefferson's not the best player today. It doesn't mean two or three of these guys might not be ahead of him at the end of the year. But right now you kind of got to give it to KJ Jefferson. For sure. Yeah. I think KJ Jefferson ranks very high on my quarterbacks. I enjoy watching list. Yeah, agree. Just because of his size and ability to run, run people over. Um, you know, he does a good job also taking care of the ball. Only five interceptions last season and also second, in the sec in total offense. And, and also consider last season that basically from, you know, some point in October to November that he was banged up off and on and, and Arkansas just wasn't the same offensively when he was less than 100%. So I think the fact that Arkansas is so much turnover, new offensive coordinator, one of the reasons to think that they could still be a top 25 team is KJ Jefferson. So easily, without a doubt, when I did these, he was easily my number one quarterback. Yep, yep, me too. Um, So there you go. KJ Jefferson one, Will Rogers two, Jaden Daniels three, Devin Leary four, this is where it gets crazy. Ty Simpson, Spencer Rattler, five and six. Connor Wigman, Carson Beck, seven and eight. Spencer Sanders, nine. Joe Milton, 10. Sorry, Tennessee. Graham Mertz, 11. AJ Swan, 12. Robbie Ashford, 13. And Brady Cook, 14. As of time of taping, anything can change, and so can opinions. But that is our opinion right now. Don't tell us that our opinion was wrong, because it's an opinion. <laughs> pre-spring, uh, Brayden. <laughs> pre, pre-spring practice, pre-spring portal, pre-summer camp, pre-playing a single freaking down of football this year. Uh, That's my opinion. And that's your opinion. And that's our opinion. And we do appreciate you listening. Steven, where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Athlon Steven, and you can check out all my work at AthlonSports.com. There you go. Get to me on Twitter as well, at Braden Gall. You can tell us how wrong our list is right there on the Twitter app. It's wonderful. Uh, YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe there. Rate, review, subscribe. All college football, football in general. Lots of good stuff up there on the YouTube page for 440 Sports as well. So we do appreciate you checking out the show visually. uh, And otherwise, have a great rest of your week, man. Uh, We'll talk to you guys next week. Aaron will be back. For Steven, I'm Braden. Thanks for hanging out. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network.